This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm looking at him. It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 87 of the Skate Podcast. Brian DeFelice, Bridget Prue, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, so on... On Friday, I believe it was, or Saturday, the Bruins got uh, uh, Hampus Lindholm. That was their big fish. But since then, you know, they all, they got they got Josh Brown from the Senators. Uh, they they uh, extended Jake DeBrus for two years. Entering the deadline, and as we currently speak, the Bruins were last among Easter Conference playoff teams in goals for. They were the only Easter Conference playoff team to not add a forward at the deadline. So I guess just knee-jerk reactions to the lack of forwards that they were able to deal and the fact that they did keep DeBrus. Yeah, it's it's certainly a little bit disappointing that they weren't able to add a forward. Uh, you know, keeping DeBrusque obviously helps in the sense that if you're healthy, I think you still feel pretty solid about your lineup. Like you've got DeBrusque, you can put on the top line. You know that they've shown potential together with him with Bergeron and Marchand. Uh, I've you know, I think I've been more lukewarm on Eric Hollis, second line center, than than a lot of people, and I, I still am. But you you can get by like that. That can still be a good trio for you. The third line has obviously been very good, and and you've got enough fourth liners to have a good line there. And you know, you've got guys like No Second Lazar who have a little bit of offense to their game too. So when everyone's healthy, your forward group. It's probably fine with an improved defense behind it. The addition of Lindholm, like you're you're good enough to compete with anyone. I think uh, the problem now is that if anyone gets hurt or anyone goes cold, you there is no reinforcement. Like if DeBrusque really falls off here, and you know we'll get into his extension and how all that played out and not getting moved. But if he goes cold down the stretch, now either you have to move. Pasenak up and, you know, mess up your second line or Smith, mess up your third line. You know, there's no, you're not, you didn't add Andrew Kopp, you know, Swiss Army knife who can move around. Hollow goes cold. We talked about this on a little bit on the last podcast. Uh, you know, Hollow got moved down to the fourth line as recently as Friday night, the, the last game they played um, before, you know, before Monday in Montreal. And, if you if that has to happen now, your options are the same as they've been. There was no center edition. So it's either Jackson Iga gets his shot at some point, and he's a game-time decision for Monday night. So most people will probably be listening to this either after that game has already been played or at least while it's going on. Um, you know, or Tomas Nosek is a guy who's been bumped up to the top six a couple of times now recently. Uh, and, you know, Tomas Nosek, while I think we all like him, is not a top six forward. Like, that's not really what you want to be doing. Um, so you're, you're you're pretty thin unless, you know, this is Stanika's time to take a step forward. He was playing his best hockey of the season in Providence before getting called up. Uh, unless, you know, Fabian Lysel comes to the rescue at some point. Um, 
we can touch on him a little later, but Don Sweeney and his post-deadline press conference left the door open to Lysel potentially joining either Providence or Boston once the Vancouver Giants WHL season ends. So, you know, it's I think there's some some wishful thinking and some crossing your fingers that there are no injuries. Uh, but yeah, certainly overall, you know, disappointing that they weren't able to add someone or at least some sort of depth up front. Yeah, it was. Well, Scott, we were planning on recording this podcast even a little bit later because we thought Scott was going to be writing. We thought, you know, he's he's going to be in the office doing what Scott does, putting something up online. And then he's he calls us and I'm in the middle of eating because I was, he's like, I'm ready to go now because I didn't do anything. So I'm just going to let's just hop on the Zoom now. Uh, and yeah, I was kind of just sitting there as it got closer to the deadline, just watching TV and, and refreshing Twitter and shocked when the deadline passed and even was still holding on after like 10 or 20 minutes after like, maybe it's just not out there yet, but I yeah, completely shocked. They didn't add any sort of forward at all. Um, and we had this conversation in the middle of the night, Saturday night slash Sunday morning, where I asked you guys at the end of the podcast, if this is all they do uh, is sign Lynn home. And obviously they also added a deaf defenseman today, uh, but it's not, it's mostly the Lynn home deal is what this whole trade deadline has pretty much been for them. And I asked oh, if they don't add anything else, are you guys still happy with the, you know, the outcome of the trade deadline and, and what would you rate Sweeney's job um, after the two moves that they've done and th- just considering how, first of all, I think things, changed a little bit how I was thinking about how Sweeney did when I saw what the other teams in the Eastern Conference did. Because by comparison, it doesn't look as good as what some of the other teams did. Uh, Pittsburgh definitely got better. The Rangers definitely got better. Florida and Tampa Bay, um, those teams all probably made bigger moves at the deadline, better moves um, altogether at the deadline than you did. And so you think, okay, yeah, the Lindholm signing um, an extension that's huge but then you kind of you have to look to these other teams that you're going to be going against in the playoffs potentially and go "Eh, well I don't know if it was enough to compete with what they did so I guess I'll ask the question again what's the grade of this this deadline considering they did not add a forward I mean I don't know if I agree with that completely like I I mean I'm I really like campus Lindholm and I think if you look around the, the Eastern Conference, the only player who I think got acquired that I'd say, you know, matches up impact-wise to that is Florida getting Claude Giroux. Um, you know, everyone else I think was lesser impact deals than that. Um, just trying to go through and I mean see in, if I'm forgetting anyone, but I mean taking the team as a whole now, those teams by adding the people that they did already had you know a little bit of a better roster than the Bruins so then they just kind of solidified it even more yeah but I don't think the Bruins are far off from any of them like I think they're already in a position to compete with just about anyone and I think Lindholm closes the gap on I would say any of them again except Florida because Florida made an equally if not more impactful move by getting Giroux now Florida also lost Aaron Ekblad who was reportedly going on long-term injured reserve and is I guess expected back at I think the report was during the first round so maybe that's their way of covering them you know maybe they fully expect he'll be ready and healthy before then and they're just going to hold him out for you know whatever but I mean they didn't the cap space they freed up they didn't go get you know some super impactful player on Monday either so but don't don't you think that Tampa Bay adding Brandon Hagel was you know that's a that's a solid move right there? Yeah, it, it is. Brand, I really like Brandon Hagel, um, but I don't think that's as impactful as Lindholm though. So yeah, t- Tampa got better. They also you know kind of reconfigured their identity in the bottom six a bit, both with Hagel and then they trade Matthew Joseph in a pick to get Nick Paul from Ottawa. You know which. I don't know that Nick Paul's necessarily like even a better player than Matthew Joseph. I think those two are fairly similar, but Nick Paul's bigger and more physical. So, you know, obviously they were clearly looking for that kind of change and a little bit more of that to have in their bottom six. 
Yeah, it's a tale of two deadlines, if you ask me, um, when, when judging it, because, you know, uh, on the back end, I mean, you completely changed your team on the back end. And that, I, don't, I don't mean that in a way that their defense wasn't already really good, both eye, eye test and statistically, because they were. But Hampus Lindholm turns their blue line from, uh, you know, you know, average playoff blue line to no that's a contender blue line right there and that's a so so in that sense that's the deadline is an absolute success i mean i would say you know eight teams are going to make the playoffs in the eastern conference i think the bruins have a top three decor now i think you're looking at carolina tampa bay and boston i think florida if they're healthy with ekblad is right there too but i don't think that's the case as we speak right now i think ekblad you know might come back for the first round and if he does you know it's not a sure thing he'll be up to speed so I think with, with, with McAvoy and Lindholm and Carlo and, and Grizzlick, um, that's a great top four. But up front, their needs weren't in the bottom six. They're in the top six. Now, you can look at this a few ways because it's not it's not as black and white as people make it seem, right? Like, first of all, Claude Giroux said no. Okay, so you can't do anything on that front. He also said no to Colorado. So, um, you know, Jake DeBrusque, look, they, they, they re-signed him for two years. You don't move him. So in that sense... Look, if, if you didn't have him, somebody else is probably going to have him for a playoff run. So you can look at DeBrusque if you want as an as an ad. Um, it's the only way they couldn't have the only way the Bruins could have done worse at forward at this deadline because they literally did nothing was if they traded DeBrusque for like a Max Domi or something. Because well now you're losing DeBrusque and you're gaining somebody who, you know, at best maybe matches them in different ways but that's not a that's not a net positive that's just breaking even and i don't even know if that would have happened i think that i don't know so my point is um i still think there was there, there was a player or two to be had like you couldn't have found a way to get it to get a phil castle or just somebody for 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 a later draft pick like i I hate the fact that they're going to go into the last 20-plus games of the season and the playoffs where you know you, you're you going to get hurt. Everybody does. You're going to have injuries. And so when you do, now you're praying at Oscar Steen or Anton Bleed or, or, or um, you know, Scott's cousin Mark McLaughlin are able to, like, kind of step in there. And not that they can't, but it's just a lot of pressure on their forward group now because they're very thin. They're very fragile. Like, right now, if they're healthy, like, yeah, that's great. But injuries are going to happen. So... Um, and you know, Scott kind of mentioned it earlier and I brought this up a few weeks ago. Um, and I just think it's even more realistic now with the lack of uh, deadline acquisitions. I mean, uh, you know, if they're able to bring in a Fabian Lysel, like later on this season, I'm all for it because their season ends at the, uh, April 16th or 17th. I don't know what the playoff structure is. There's five teams in their conference in the WHL that have a playoff position locked up. Vancouver's sixth. So I don't know like what the playoff, but I gotta tell you this much: if he can help the Boston Bruins playoff run over the Vancouver Giants playoff run, bring him to Boston because he's 19 years old, he's lighting it on fire, and I just think that there's an opportunity there. Um, and Don Sweeney didn't close the door on that. So in that sense, like that could be an internal ad. And I also will say this: Andrew Kopp, Max Domi, Ricard Raquel. I gotta be honest, you know, none of them really got me. Uh, Got me too excited. Like I thought they were all good players for their own in their own lane, but depending on what the the ask was or this or that, they didn't put the Bruins over the edge. So I don't really think there was a ton really to be had, but I still wish the Bruins got at least somebody. But if that can be Lysel in three weeks from now or four one four weeks from now, then fine. But they're gonna need some help at some point along the line. And if it ha- now it has to be internal, is my point. Yeah, I saw I saw you tweet that, Brian. You're like, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna circle back to my take that you know. Some, in some ways, they don't have to be as aggressive if they can find the internal solution, and if they think Lysel's ready or, or you know, uh, Laura is ready, or then they can you know try to solve the problem from within. But they have when to it, now. It, it, now it has to be internal. now they and when now I, they have to. When I first exactly. brought that up, that you know that was assuming you know Scott kind of laughed at me a little bit, and yeah, it's probably not realistic. But that's because the the possibility of adding from outside was was very much what we thought was going to happen. They didn't do that. Now, so now it has to be internal. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's so funny anymore. Yeah. Well, no, you might've been right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I like a, a couple of the Fords I got, like, I like Andrew Cobb. I like Ricard Raquel. I think both went for probably more than I would have been comfortable giving up. Um, I think, so Cobb goes to the Rangers. Winnipeg gets 
two second round picks, Morgan Barron, who's an older prospect, but someone who's probably going to play in the NHL and a fifth round pick. And then uh, Raquel goes to Pittsburgh. And I think that was, it was uh, a second a prospect. I don't know if we know the prospect yet. Um, Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone, who are two NHL players. And, and Aston Reese in particular is like a really good defensive forward fourth liner um, and has been for a few years for Pittsburgh. So, you know, I, I, I said this and, and I wrote it. Like, I think to me, and the Bruins were reportedly in on Raquel, and I don't think they were too far off. Like, I think they were in on him basically right up until the deadline and Pittsburgh just sort of swooped in at the end and, and made the best offer. But, um, you know, I viewed Raquel as like, is like Jake DeBrusque one for one. The, that's basically what he is to me. Yeah, he's hit a higher ceiling before. He has two thirty goal seasons, but those are a few years back. You know, this year him and DeBrusque have basically been the same player. Like the numbers are very similar. So if you told me, okay, well DeBrusque is so disgruntled that you know this is what we're doing. It's just a one for one swap. I'd be like, okay, fine. Like. You, you didn't get worse. I also don't think you would have gotten significantly better. Um, I would have liked one of those guys, you know, in in addition to keeping DeBras, but I, I don't know if that was, you know, ever a possibility. And we don't know if, you know, I'm assuming based on what Anaheim got back, you know, that return is, I, I would say comes out to more than just J- Jake DeBras. Like if that were the Bruins, that would have had to have been DeBrusque plus. And I, I just wouldn't do that. Like if you have the option to hold on to DeBras, and not give up any other asset, you might as well do that. So, you know, I don't, uh, and Max Domi, I, I never wanted, I did not, I, I just don't think he's a fit for the Bruins. Yeah. It's possible he bounces back somewhere else and maybe that'll be in Carolina, but he doesn't play defense. Uh, he's struggled in recent years. He's, he got shifted over to the wing, um, hasn't played center in like over a year and was, has struggled on, on the, like third line left wing in Columbus this year. So, you know, I I mean, if it was just like a flyer and, hey, you know, let's bring him in see what he can do. Sure. But I I don't view Max Domi as like a meaningful upgrade either. So I don't like hate that they didn't match any of those prices, but yeah, you still would have liked something even, I mean, like we brought him up, uh, I don't know, a couple podcasts ago. Like Marcus Johansson got moved for pretty cheap. Um, Seattle moved Mason Appleton for a fourth round pick. And it's like, not that I love either of those players or, or think they're huge needle movers. You know, Johansson isn't the player now that he was in 2019 with the Bruins, but it's, it's another body. It's another, like those guys, you know, are bottom six options. They're not improving your top six, but you know, it's, it's something. Um, I just think, that deal for that top six forward, I, I just don't think was out there at any sort of remotely reasonable price. And that's the, you know, that's the problem with trying to shop for a top six forward at the trade deadline is your market's very limited. And if you're going to do it, the cost is going to be very high. And, you know, obviously the Bruins weren't, weren't able to find that deal, weren't willing to meet those prices. Um, so you end up having to, to settle for what you have. And so the Ricardo Kell thing is is really interesting to me because um, I think that first of all the Jake the Jake DeBrus thing threw threw all of us off this morning. They extend him two years. He still hasn't uh, pulled back his in a uh, request to be moved. It makes no sense to extend him two years if you're not trying to make the appeal better for a trade because. Like, obviously, he had to know going into that he was convinced he was getting moved, I think, because otherwise, why extend yourself? You can't be a free agent. You can't shop the free agent market now. You already set your um, contract for $4 million in the next two years. And now that he doesn't get moved, you know, he's stuck in a tough situation, which is I got to assume that going into today when he made that decision to get extent to sign the extension it was with the the intention of you know I'm but I'm out now and I think that 
this is just a gut feeling. I think they were targeting Ricard Raquel with Jake DeBrusque as part of the package. But when you look at what the Penguins gave up, like they had full intention of moving him, I think, for Ricard Raquel. And it just it it fell through um, at the at, you know, later in the stages because of what uh, Pittsburgh was willing to offer, which was three picks and Zach Aston Reese. And uh, it's being reported that that prospect could be uh, Dominic Simone. So, well, Dominic Simone's already an NHL. I just saw the the prospects goalie, Callie Klang, um, who is is a pretty good goalie prospect, but Pittsburgh also has Philip Lindbergh, UMass's own in their pipeline. So that was a, you know, that was a position where they could actually afford to give up a good prospect. That's just a lot. It's just a lot to give up for him. And that's why I think that first of all, the Bruins making a deal with Anaheim already for Lindholm, like you were kind of like, Oh, I wonder why, like maybe they tried to get a package deal done for Raquel and Lindholm with a, you know, DeBrusque involved in it. And then Anaheim maybe said, no, let's separate the two because they knew what the Bruins were willing to offer for Lindholm. And they probably knew they could get, way more for Raquel than the Bruins were willing to offer when they put it into, you know, kind of a package deal. So those were my, those were my feelings. Once I saw that, first of all, the breast didn't go anywhere and the Bruins didn't make a move. And when I looked at the Ricard Raquel signing in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, you know, I was writing down the lines, um, you know, when we're coming down to the last half hour and you saw that the Bruins were seriously involved or, you know, interested in, uh, Raquel and, you know, I'm I'm penciling him in on that on that right side with Bergeron and Marshan, and I'm like, you know, obviously DeBrusque isn't in my, any of my lines anymore, and I'm like, you know, if does this really make them that much better? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a wash, like Scott was saying. So, I don't know. I I just think that um, even if they did find a way to switch the two, it's like now Raquel has to come somewhere where he's totally new. He, you know, isn't really willing to play ball with an extension. Meanwhile, you just signed DeBrusque for two years, so. Now you don't have that aspect of of of, of a player, um, but that that's the part that I cannot wrap my brain around. Scott, maybe you have like a better sort of understanding, or you've had been able to think about it in a different way. When I saw the DeBrus extension, and they pushed it out on social media, and, it, and it's like originally you're like, okay, this, this is crazy. And then you look at how, then you're like, oh, it would make sense if they were going to trade them. And then, and then you look at the advertising for that they put up on Instagram and whatnot. And it's like the way that it was kind of put together was like, yay, we have Jake DeBrus for two more years. So then I was like, maybe they're not going to trade them. So it's kind of a weird situation. I'm very interested to, to hear in the following week or so what, like what all was part of that um, decision. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, if we're going to get to talk to DeBrusque at some point here, like he's still, he still only met with the media really just that once in, you know, since he requests, since the trade request went public and that was in Seattle with like only, I think two or three reporters there. So I don't, I, you know, I wonder if we're going to hear from him, but yeah, you'd think is, you'd think we'd have to. It I is mean, if you sign an extension for anyone, they're almost always available for the media. Right. Like when something big like that happens. Yeah, so it, it is fascinating. Like we know that the Bruins gave DeBrusque's agent Rick Vallette, They gave him permission to talk to other teams about an extension. So I'm assuming if he if he signed one with Boston, it's because he knows that. That extension, that two years, $8 million total, would be palatable to other teams. That other teams, you know, would take him on with that contract. If not, then you just backed yourself into a corner and now you're stuck in, in Boston potentially for two more years, which that's what happened, which would be insane if, you know, if that's how it plays out. Because now, now you're looking at trading him in the offseason. Which, yeah, but which which why would he want to be be involved with that? He could have been a free agent. He could have got more money. He yeah, could have, he could, have, he could right. have gone to any team he wanted to. Now he's stuck with whatever the Bruins can can get if they deal him. If they don't deal him, it makes no sense to me why he would have agreed unless it was like hundred percent guarantee that he was on his way out. That's why I sat by my but, phone and the TV the whole day, going, "Well, something has to happen because the, otherwise, this DeBrusque extension, like, 
I just thought that the signing the Bruce to an extension meant there's absolutely a hundred percent going to be another trade uh, for a you know a forward today for the Bruins, and it, it didn't happen. And it, on DeBrusque's, I understand why the Bruins didn't trade him, but I don't understand why DeBrusque was wanting to sign the extension then. I mean, there were Which, other there were other deals too that I was like that could have happened as well with DeBrusque. It wasn't just like you know, Raquel, like, like there was probably like Pavel Zaka is a name I saw out there. Like, you know, uh, you see Riley Smith's name in, in Vegas and Dadanoff and, you know, Jordan Eberle never goes anywhere. Like there were, there were a lot of players that just didn't go anywhere that there was smoke around their names, you know, the last few weeks. But um, I, I definitely think both parties intended to move him by three o'clock and it just didn't happen. Yeah. What I would add is I think there is no chance that Sweeney, guaranteed he was moving today like what whatever else you want to think of Don Sweeney I don't think he operates that way he doesn't that would be I, I, don't think, I don't think I don't think he makes many promises like that period because he knows things change all the time and change at the last minute so he he would not have told have promised them yeah you're we're you're getting signed this you're getting traded today don't worry about it. like he wouldn't have said that 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 would not have been guaranteed. But what if he said, um, I have like 90% confidence? I don't think he would have even given them that. I think, I think, I honestly think what he would have told DeBrusque and his agent is the same thing he's told the media, which is he will explore all possibilities, uh, but he's only going to make a trade if it makes sense for the Bruins and helps the Bruins. And I think that that's been the line from day one, going back to before the trade request even went public, because as we know now, the, the request was actually made last summer. And I think Sweeney's messaging all along has been consistent. It's, I'll look at it. I'm, you know, I'm going to work with you. Like if something comes along, I'll, I'll pull the trigger, but it was never going to, he was never going to just dump DeBrusque. It was never just going to be, okay, well, here's, you know, uh, a date on the calendar. I'm going to move you by then and I'll take whatever I can get. No, it was, it was always going to be, I think the approach was always, you're under contract, so I don't have to trade you. If I can find a deal that helps us, I'll make it. And so far, he hasn't found it. But that um, nightmare, that nightmare for DeBrusque would have been over at the end of the season. Now he's going to go through it all over again. How, how, he, hey, how about, how about this for a message if you're Don Sweeney? Jake, you're playing with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. We just paid you $4 million a year in extensions that you weren't going to get in the open market. Shut the fuck up and play hockey and be happy that you're getting a paycheck. <laughs> How's that for a message if we can't trade you? Yeah. Boo fucking who? You're playing with Martian and Bergeron, and we just extend you for $4 million that you probably want to get on yeah. the free market. And you're going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, so... Yeah. So fucking cry me a river. <laughs> Put your head down and get on the ice. Tie your skates. Like Yeah, and, like, I, I also saw... I don't remember who it was, but, it's like, someone made the point on Twitter of, like, well, now DeBrusque isn't even going to be motivated to play for his next deal because he already has his next deal. And it's like... Well, he's still going to be motivated to get traded. Yeah, to get traded. Because if guess what? If DeBrusque tanks the rest of the season and sucks for the next two months, you think anyone's picking up two years, four million a year? Like, of course not. So then he'd be stuck here. So well, also once you hey, once the puck drops, once once those Stanley Cup logos go inside each blue line on the ice, and the puck drops for for round one, game one. Every player is having the same motivation, which is to win for themselves and their teammates. And you know that that's not a problem with Jake. He loves his teammates. He obviously, if I'm in the playoffs, I, yeah, I want to win. I'm here. So, look, I don't think motivation is going to be an issue um, for all the reasons you guys said. And then those two I just listed, like, you know, the motivation could be tougher to come by, you know, if, if he's not traded in the summer uh, and he has to come back to a situation he might not be happy with. But to that, I say what I just said a few minutes ago. Tough fucking shit. You're getting paid a lot of money. You probably wouldn't get from another team, and you're you know, and you're on a, in a good situation. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think that like it came down to Sweeney saying, "Look, there's not a move out here that's gonna that's we're not, I don't think Sweeney saw him winning a DeRust trade. That's what it came down to. You know, I, I'm sure he tried with Cop or Raquel or whomever, but it probably just didn't come to fruition, and and that's fine. But like the fact of the matter is, you have eight playoff teams in the East up front. Boston is probably around six to eight as far as like who boasts the best offense forward one through 12. And, you know, while they have probably one of the better decors now, they're still lacking up front and that needs to be addressed because I personally don't think that this forward group, even if they're healthy, they're going to have a tough time winning four rounds. It's just the way that it is. But, you know, like, like uh, Scott said earlier, maybe, maybe 
Jack Stadnika finds a way in. Um, and like I said, I, I look until somebody tells me, I, and I'm reading. I want. I'm gonna pull it back up actually, because uh, Connor Ryan tweeted some tweets from Sweeney. Um, I was hoping I would see this from Scott McLaughlin, who was also present at it. But I'll just read this. Um, Sweeney said that Fabian Lysel could join either Providence or Boston this season once the WHL. He did season. tweet this, Brian. Jeez. Ah, ah whatever. I'm just gonna keep reading because it was on top of my feed. So <laughs> Sweeney said that Fabian Lysel could join either Providence. Uh, well, there's different quotes I think that you did. That you did. Providence yeah. or Boston uh, this season once his WHL season comes to an end, which Scott said. Then he says he could join either club to tell you the honest truth. From a skill standpoint, talent standpoint, Fabian has a lot of things we're excited about. So it's like, can so- unless somebody gives me another reason besides, well, we don't want to rush him. Somebody give me an honest to God reason why, like, this kid couldn't help the team this year, especially because now the trade line, deadline has come and gone and you know there's no external help. Somebody better give me a, a better reason than don't rush them because guess what? There are certain talents that, like, they're, they're, they're elite talents for a reason. And I honest to God think that um, Fabian Lysel, if there was a redraft of, of, of the 2021 NHL draft in, like, 5, 10 years from now, I, I feel like he's gonna be, he'd be a top-five name as opposed to where he, wherever he went, 21 or something. So you have to address it internally now if you want to – you know, match some of the high power offenses in the, in the in the Atlantic alone. And Fabian Lysel, he would come in and give you a spark. Would there be some learning curves? Absolutely. Would it be pretty every time? No. But like every forward in the Bruin, besides Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, have hiccups uh, defensively. Everybody does. So like, you, I think there you have to have a risk reward factor. And I think the reward would be a lot higher than the risk because guess what? Their hands are tied now. And I mean, do you guys have confidence in the current forward group to go through four rounds? I don't whether it's because of injury or even if they're healthy and there's no more external help. So I just, I, I, I really want this to be a, 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 an opportunity for the Bruins to at least be open-minded. And it sounds like Sweeney is. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Like, I think they're certainly open to bringing him in and just seeing where he is. And like, you know, timing wise, it, it'll be a pin depending on how far they go. Like it'll be a pinch as you get towards, the end of the regular season, I think obviously they prefer, you know, maybe throw them into a, reg- a regular season game or two first. Um, but I think they'd be willing to do that. Like they've done that with some other players where, you know, like we might see that with Mark McLaughlin here over, you know, the next game or two or at some point where, you know, so like so Mark McLaughlin travels to Montreal with them. And if Stanika can't play Monday night and again, as we're, Recording this, we don't know that answer f- for certain yet. Um, but McLaughlin would be the next one up on the depth chart if Stanika can't go. And it's like, well, does that mean that Mark McLaughlin already leapfrogged, you know, Oscar Steen and Anton Bleed and whoever? No, not necessarily. It just means they want to see where he's at. They want to throw throw him in and, you know, give him some trial by fire and see if he can handle NHL action. They, you know, they – they're not missing the playoffs if they drop points, so they can afford to do that. So I could definitely see something like that with Lysel, where, you know, maybe you throw him into his first NHL game and, hey, you know what, he's he's not really ready, like, which is okay, that's fine. Let's have him play in Providence for a little bit first. But I could definitely see them giving him a shot. And, you know, we saw him in preseason against, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not like an entire NHL roster, but against professional players. Mm-hmm. And he didn't look overmatched. Like he looked like he could hold his own against those guys. So now with a full season, in the WHL, like you're, it's going to be a pretty safe assumption that he's even further along and would look even better. If you're signing him to Providence then why not just bring him to Boston? Well, uh, Bridget, I think, it, I think honest to God, I think he's one of these talents that it, I, I, on, I really do feel like it's going to be like McAvoy in 17. Like the second. Yeah. That, that's who I was thinking too. When you brought up the, you know, he dropped past where if you redrafted, it, who would have passed on Charlie McAvoy? And and even like Pasternak, like fell right. beyond teams that would have much rather have chosen him. Um, it, you could be right. And and you remember, I pardon me for forgetting the name of the guy we had on in the beginning, um, right around the draft. We had a, a podcast, Scott, where you had on a guest for, you got a guest for us who was, um, Chris, really good in uh, talking Chris, about the Chris Peters. Chris Peters. Yeah. He yeah. he told us about Lysel. It's one of the players we asked him about ahead of the the draft, and you know he he made it made a lot of sense uh, 
that Lysel would have went higher, but I think people were afraid of just remember the fact that he had a very inconsistent season during the pandemic, which why wouldn't you just throw that out the window anyway? I don't know. But Brian, you're right. Like people are, if he comes to the Bruins this year, next year, and he's as elite as people are saying he is after getting a look at him in the WHL, people are going to be like, why the heck did we let him slip to 20? Yes, definitely. I think that's going to happen regardless. I think, I think Chris Peters also said in that interview that um, talent wise, that Lysel was a top, he was a top skater talent wise, but because of the, you know, statistics that weren't up there and, you know, some, I don't know if you said character issues, but regardless, but he, his talent, Yes, people will say that. But what I was I think more- it was like a lack of motivation yeah. issue. I mean, who 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 knows? Well, there's, yeah, there, there's like there's some situation where he wasn't playing as much as he want or wasn't playing like as high in the lineup as he wanted or something. And supposedly there were reports like he didn't really handle that great or the right way or whatever, but you know, I, the Bruins obviously in Sweden in particular like feel comfortable with their connections there and what they hear about players. Cause PJ Axelson is, is as plugged in as anyone over there. He lives over there. He sees all these kids in person. He knows all their coaches. He, like, you know, you're not going to find someone who knows more about what's going on in Sweden than Axelson. And he was, you know, he was the one that they leaned on when they drafted Lysel and two other Swedish players this year um, and, and signed Jesper Froden. Like those were all, driven by PJ Axelson or, or, you know, at least they relied on his Intel and like what he was telling them. And obviously he was, he was comfortable with Lysel, he, you know, whatever these issues were, which were always like very vaguely reported over here. You know, I'm going to trust that Axelson knows a heck of a lot more about what was going on than, you know, a couple of throwaway comments from people who have probably never met him or been over there or like seen any of that stuff. I mean, I I have I have um, you know, I'm not worried at all about the reasons why Fabian Lysel dropped. Quite frankly, that's everybody else's problem, not the Bruins. The fact is, they got him. And what I was what I was the correlation I was going to make to McAvoy is I just feel like, you know, when McAvoy was because obviously he's a defenseman, but when he was at BU, I kept saying to myself like ever since I you know when I watched him at World Juniors that year and just watched how he took over the game every game he played in, especially the when the the moment was at its at its biggest. I kept saying to myself, like, I wanted, no offense, Scott, I wanted BU to kind of lose to, to, to North Dakota because I was like, this, if the Bruins, the second that the Bruins get him out of BU and they get him to Providence, he'll be he'll skyrocket right to Boston. And I just feel like if the Bruins can get Fabian Lysel out of Vancouver and they get him to Providence, like, as long as he's out of Vancouver, I guarantee you that kid's going to be on the Bruins because it, it won't take long, like, you watch him every single game he's won the black and gold this past uh you know um training camp whether it was at the the rookie tournament in buffalo or if it was at um preseason every single game he played he stood out amongst sometimes against rookies sometimes against other players like you know and i just feel like if you get in the providence he's going to be in boston before you know it like he's that kind of talent i truly believe it and um you know, it's got, it's. It, I get flashbacks to Pashnak. Like Pashnak came up to the Bruins, you know, at a time where it was like the fourteen fifteen season or something. They were in the middle of a two year mid build, I guess. I don't know. They missed the playoffs barely both years, but he he jumped out. I mean, his, he he played against the Flyers, had a couple goals. He had a few highlight reel goals against the the Lightning, and you just saw like this kid. This kid stands out, and I just think that if as long as you get Fabian Lysel out, out of Vancouver that's the biggest hurdle that the Bruins need to do because once they do I think it won't be long before he's he's in the lineup I just but they got to they have to be willing and I don't know what the playoff structure is in the WHL I know that their season ends in April 16th or 17th if they want him to play out the string but if they do make the playoffs in Vancouver and that's the reason that they don't bring him over to Providence at the very least, I, I'll be pissed. Because you didn't address the needs at the deadline externally, and now you have to internally. And I don't give a fucking shit about the Vancouver Giants playoff run. Like, get him to Boston or, or, or Providence. And if you do, I guarantee you guys, he'll, he'll, he'll make it pretty much impossible for them to not bring him to the big club. I really do feel that way. Yeah, th- I mean, they definitely won't pull him out You know, until the Giants are done. Um, you know, one, they want him to have that experience of playing in 
you know, super competitive playoff games in the WHL. Um, and two, you don't want to burn bridges with junior teams where, you know, you, you think you have to have good relationships with them because the Bruins will have someone else in Vancouver at some point um, or be scouting someone who's in Vancouver or whatever. Um, on on the top prospects, it, worth mentioning that uh, I also asked Sweeney about Mason Lorai. And um, so Sweeney said that Lorai is dealing with, sounds like a pretty minor injury, Um so he said that if Ohio State had made the NCAA tournament and played this weekend, which they didn't, they were the uh, first team out to miss the field. Um, he said Laura might have been like questionable, but he said they're going to let Laura like heal up first, take a little bit of time, and then it'll be his decision as to whether he decides he's ready to sign and turn pro or if he wants to go back for a second season, which. It's kind of what I suspected. I figured, you know, they'll – I think the Bruins will be okay either way. Whatever Lori wants to do, whatever he thinks is best. I think they they like the way he developed at Ohio State this year, so they would be okay if he does go back for a second season. Um, obviously, getting Lindholm, there's not – you know, we talk about they might need Lysel up front, like, at some point. You would think they're probably not going to need Lori this year, and – that transition for defenseman is harder anyways. And I don't think Lori is McAvoy. Like that's pretty rare for defensemen to step in and do that forwards. You see it a little bit more. Like you saw with Cole Caulfield last year in Montreal, leaving Wisconsin. And yeah, I think he only had like one or two regular season games and then goes into the playoffs and and was really good for Montreal during that run. Um, It's a little easier for forwards to do it. Um, Especially wingers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one other reason too, Scott, is that, you know, and, and maybe I'm just reading into too many people on online or whatever, but and they're making me feel pessimistic about Burr's run returning after this year. But like, if this really is it, and I, I've said, and you said, we don't think it is, but if it is, if this is it, you know, you're not really equipped at forward to make a real deep run. I mean, on paper, this this forward group is like, like I said, it's 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 one of the the least impressive in the Eastern Conference playoff structure, um, from one to twelve. That doesn't mean that they're bad; they're good. But every team's good. In fact, you know, I would say, you know, every team in the Eastern Conference. You can't say this about the West. Every team in the Eastern Conference, and I know people shit on Washington, but hey, they have a pedigree and they have some veterans that have been there before too. But I would say they are probably the eighth, eighth out of eight. But Every team in the Eastern Conference playoff structure, I think, can make a case that they can play four rounds this, this spring. Now, um, with that said, one of the, the, the biggest reason that like I want them to be open minded with Lysel, because unlike Lorai, they don't they don't you know, they don't need defense. They just got Lindholm, like you said. They do need offense. And if this is Bergeron's last year, like I just want them to pull out all the stops, uh, and, and since it has to be internal, that's why I bring up Lysel. Like, don't be afraid to improve internally. Again, you didn't get rid of these prospects, right? So, like, you didn't you didn't get rid of them. They're still here. You didn't like. Don't just like. Why does the future always have to be so far away? Is my point. Like a lot. You didn't get rid of them. You still have them. They are your. They are yours. So, like, if they can help you, allow them to and give, give them that chance, that platform. And I hear what you're saying about you don't want to have bad relations with. Uh, with, with with junior teams, I think that's totally valid. But I mean, look, it's the National Hockey League, and, and don't you so. don't you think they'd have at least some level of understanding? I think so. I think it happens. I think it happens. Yeah. Well, I guess you know, maybe the I would say the only way that happens is like a worst case scenario where the Bruins have so many injuries that it's like we have to reach down. Like we have no other cho- like. God forbid, like Pasternak goes down, and, and you know it's something like really desperate. Like we actually saw that with Carolina earlier this year, where they pulled Jack Lafontaine out of the University of Minnesota mid-season because they had so many goalie injuries, and like I think literally had one healthy goalie and needed a backup, and they just signed Lafontaine out of Minnesota mid-season. And it's like, yeah, I know that you know there were people at Minnesota who yes, understood why they did it, and B, were still pretty pissed that it happened. Like, 
Okay, well, then, I mean, look, maybe they fucking the, the lose in the first round and, and, and it's not that big a deal because it, the, the playoffs don't go so long. But all, all I can tell you is that, you know, the Bruins in all likelihood are going to be facing the um, – they're going to be facing either the Florida Panthers or the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. You know, could they play Toronto somehow with some late shuffling in the standings, I guess? Yeah, it's possible. You know, could they fall and have to play – Carolina, maybe I don't know, but in all likelihood, it's 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 Florida and it's Tampa that the Bruins are getting in round one. Both of those teams are stacked up front, which means if you're winning those one of those series, you're gonna have to 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 win on defense and goaltending. Both of those teams are equal to or you know as good as you in both those categories too. So make no mistake about it, they will go into those series as the as the underdogs, and that would be with or without a Fabian Lysel insert. But my point is, you got to find a way to keep up with the Joneses on offense because what are you going to out defend Tampa? Are you going to out defend Florida? Both those teams, you could, but both those teams are very good at that too. So it's not like they'd be playing the high, the high flying Maple Leafs of 17 or 18, but they have no defense. They're going to be playing a team that has, you know, everything, and you don't. I mean, you have a good offense, but not a great offense. They have great offenses. Um, anyway, so I guess that, that's just me kind of figuring, I mean, whatever. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's the reality. I mean, there wasn't really much in externally to grab and they didn't, but you know, I don't know. I guess that's like the only thing I could think of because right now their forward group is pretty underwhelming. I got to be honest with you. I mean, their number two center is Eric Hala, and their top line right wing is a lefty in Jake DeBrusque who doesn't want to be here. So like, um, apparently he does. <laughs> uh, so, so, so forgive me for trying to, you know, find a way to bolster this offense. And, and by the way, that's if everybody's healthy. One injury, you know, we've seen how fragile Eric Hall's psyche is if he gets if he's no longer playing with Hall and Pasta. So it's like, um, I don't know. I just, their defense is great. Their goaltending is great. Their team identity, they, they score goals. I mean, they're not awful at scoring goals, but, um, and it's a different game in the playoffs, but I'm just saying, if you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed, and this is Bergeron's last go at it, you know, I you got to find somebody to step up. I think uh, to find goals elsewhere, and Lysel is one of those options internally. So uh, I guess and my time thought, to tell. my my thought on Lysel after like after hearing what Sweeney said, he he literally himself said he could either join Providence or Boston this season. So like, if he does get pulled off his team in the in the WHL, they kind of already just got a heads up about it. I was, and yeah. And also, I know that this this is how I look at it with college players because I broadcast college hockey. I, I watch a lot of college hockey. And um, when they take guys off teams and bring them to the NHL, I know obviously it screws up their 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 season, especially if you pull off the goalie. That's a huge like that that's huge for a college team. But at the end of the day, I always just think, shouldn't you be happy for the guy? Like if, if Lysel has the opportunity to come to Boston, um, like your team, yeah, it's going to hurt your team, but like, can't you be happy that he, it, this is what's right for him, uh, what's best for him. And, um, you know, un- just understand that if you have a prospect for one of the NHL teams, it's always, um, it's always a possibility that they could come back and say, hey, w- we need him now. Well, and, and one other thing too, Scott, and I'll throw it to you, but like, the um the Giants the Vancouver Giants just just to so people know um they have 50 points in the season and that's good for the middle of their conference but the other conference in the WHL 50 points would have them in either dead last or second to last so they're in a very mediocre conference which allows them to be in the hunt so i think the Giants management ownership probably understand that you know Thank God we're in this division this year because we otherwise we wouldn't be in the playoffs. So my point is, it's not like the Giants are um, a real threat to win the whatever their trophy is. Now on the flip side, you could say, well, yeah, that's why we need Lysel. But whatever. Um, I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't. If, it, if 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 feelings get hurt, then so be it. I, I care more about the Bruins, and and I think the Giants should probably get that. But I don't know. I uh, that's probably what I would say about that. Yeah, Und- understandable. Um, one last point that I want to make on the DeBrusque extension is there's also there's also calculated risk there from the Bruins as well signing that because you know we mentioned how like DeBrusque might not get moved if he doesn't finish the season strong. 
well, that means, you know, if you're the Bruins, you better be comfortable having him for another season or potentially another two years and, you know, dealing with whatever that means. If, if that, you know, if he's still not happy or whatever, like, I think it's easier to say like, oh, the Bruins just signed him to that that deal, so it's easier to trade him. But you also have to be comfortable with him actually potentially playing out that deal. Like, so that's you know that's a two year extension with an average annual value of four million. The Bruins have to be comfortable with the possibility that Jake DeBrusque is on their roster next year with a four million dollar cap hit. And you know, worth noting, they have. A lot of contracts on the book next year. I think right now they're set up to only have about four and a half million dollars in, in cap space over the summer. And that is, you know, obviously with Patrice Bergeron not being signed yet. So, you know, my guess is Bergeron would, if he's coming back next year, would sign for, you know, whatever it takes to fit it in and make things work. Like, I don't, obviously he's not going to be looking for huge money. But, you know, it limits what else you can add. That's $4 million that you're not going to be able to spend somewhere else. Hey, uh, by the way, I'm just seeing this. I don't know if you guys saw this already, or um, but the return for Andrew Kopp, I, have you seen that yet? I think I saw most of what it was. I don't know if it, something got finalized. So, yeah, so I think it's – so the, the Rangers got Kopp in a sixth round pick in 23, and they gave up Morgan, Barron, and – a 22 first, a 22 or 23 second, and a 23 fifth. So, okay. So, I, I think that that first was not initially, re- oh, or maybe. Well, there is an I asterisk. I think it was initially reported as like it could turn into a first or something. Yeah, there's, there's an so there's an asterisk, asterisk next to the 22 first round and 22 slash 23 second rounds. So, maybe that's conditional if the Rangers go X amount in the playoffs. I don't know. But regardless, it's it looks like a, it looks like a return that the Bruins. Rightfully, probably shouldn't have done for cop. Yeah, so it looks like it, yeah, it's a second that can turn into a first if the Rangers win two rounds. Okay, which yeah, well, hey, I mean, I would say their chances of doing that are the same that they were before. Which is, if Igor Shesterkin gets hot enough, sure, but you know, I, I still don't think that that's. I mean, they can win their first round series. I still don't think they really stack up against Carolina in that division, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I uh, that to your point, like that's more than I would have given up for cop. Yeah, so worth worth mentioning. Um, hey, Brian. Yes. Uh, th- this will make you feel good. Oh. When I I just googled uh, Fabian Lysel, mm-hmm. and you scroll down like three things, and it's a tweet from Brian D. Felice. <laughs> <laughs> so you good. type in Fabian Lysel, it comes up the Connor Ryan tweet, and then the Brian D. Felice tweet well. tweet right there. Guy knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, You're trending. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I am. Um, by the way, I am. I I, I am. Um, I, I do think Mark McLaughlin Scott is gonna do a. Uh, I think he's gonna uh, turn some heads. I, I actually, I think there's. I think there's a spot up for grab on that fourth line. I don't think that's set in stone. I I definitely think that if you know now I know he he's a center primarily and I know so I don't know if he would get in the way of no sec but maybe Felino. I mean who knows I mean. I definitely am curious to see how he does. I'm excited, actually. I was hoping he got a chance to play tonight um, because I don't really care if they win or lose this. Well, actually, the, the points still matter for the Bruins, but Montreal sucks that the Providence Bruins could probably beat them. Um, but I'm curious to see how he does. I think he can make – I don't know. Maybe you, you probably watched him more than I have. But And, and by the way, uh, another uh, tip of the cap on my end because I – I, didn't I say to you what he reminds you of Noel Achari and then Cassidy said it like three days later or whatever it was? Well, that's yeah, the it, thing. Cassidy it, listens to the podcast. He must. He that's must. Right. Yeah. Um, even McLaughlin himself said that. Like, because we talked to him after he signed and uh, he he was at, you know, obviously so growing up in Bill Rickett, he's a huge Bergeron fan. That was his favorite player growing up. But he also said, you know, as a teenager, like he modeled his game on Sean Corrali in Nolachari because he saw a lot of himself in those players. So, yeah, no surprise. Like, if if he's in, if he gets a chance at some point, I think that's what people will notice. Like, he'll play physical. He's a straight line player. Uh, he's very good defensively, um, and and he has a good shot. He, like he's he improved a ton offensively at BC throughout his f- four years. And 
to the point where he tied for fifth in the country in goals this season. And a lot of that came on the power play. Um, you know, I don't, he's maybe not quite the skater, at least at this point that certainly that Corrali was, and probably even that Achari was, but he, he might have a little more offense to his game than Achari did coming in for sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see him play if he gets a crack tonight. Um, I think it's actually a good spot, but um, I, something tells me we'll see him sooner than later anyway. Um, I guess just before we take off, I know it's just after six and we have places to be, um, but so I guess just, you know, you know, you know the roster now, right? Again, again, unless, you know, they bring up Lysel in a month or so, but this is kind of their roster going forward, and I guess how do you feel they stack up in the Eastern Conference? Well, so, I mean, I think they're still they're definitely not favored. They'll be an underdog again. Again, we're going to assume, you know, everyone's healthy or close to it, right? Like take out, you know, huge injuries that are going to shake it up. But they would be an underdog against Tampa in a series. They'd be an underdog against Florida if Florida's getting Ekblad back, especially. If 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 Ekblad's going to miss like a good chunk of the first round, then, and that's who the Bruins are facing at that point, I think that's... I don't know, a, a toss-up maybe? Like, it, it gets really close, and I would give the Bruins a really solid chance. Look, Carolina's still ahead of them. Carolina's been, you know, along with Florida, the best all-around team. So, but after that, like, I like the way they're playing more than Toronto right now. You know, we'll see how those teams close out the season. But if it started today, like, I think I'd probably take them over Toronto. Um, I think Washington. they're better. Yeah, Obviously. I like them more than Washington. Pittsburgh is interesting. I th- they're they're a good team um, for sure. I don't know that I still totally trust their defense and Jerry, even though Jerry's having a very good season. Um, and that's a team that's had you know hasn't gotten the job done in the first round in recent years. No, and part of that reason last year was. Jerry. Yeah, he was. So it was like a kind of like a flinching under pressure situation for him. And I don't I I actually do think Pittsburgh would be a team the Bruins could could beat. And I I wouldn't think of the Bruins as an underdog in that series. Yeah. And and Rangers, you know, even with their addition, like they added depth. I think for them, it still comes. They need Shostakin to carry them like they'll go as far as he carries them. And that's He's the best goalie in the NHL this season, so that could be quite far, or it could catch up to them and they get outplayed and he's not heroic enough. Um, So, I don't know, maybe like fifth in the East or so, something like that. Like, you know, like I said, they're definitely not at the top or particularly close to being a favorite, but I don't think they're – that far off. I also don't think they're significantly. It's it's a very jumbled conference, and I don't know that anyone actually pulled away. If again, I'll, like the Ekblad injury is just so huge. If Ekblad was healthy, and you add Giroux to that Panthers team, like I think Ben Chirot's overrated. I've said that plenty of times, so that addition doesn't bother me a ton. Um, you know, I would say that Florida pulled away if you add Giroud to a team with a healthy Ekblad, but because you just don't know about Ekblad right now, like I feel like they kind of stayed with the pack as well. So I still feel like everyone's kind of bunched together. And, um, you know, on the one hand, that means that the Bruins in my mind still have a shot against anyone, but they're not going to be favored against, against too many teams. No, they, they won't be, they won't be favored by Vegas, but here's the thing though. Number one, on paper, it doesn't tell the whole story because on paper, as you mentioned, Florida and Carolina would be two of those quote-unquote favorites over the Bruins. But the fact of the matter is Florida hasn't proved anything in the playoffs. Carolina, you've had their number in the playoffs. There are some ghosts there. Um, and Tampa Bay is another favorite over the Bruins. And, you know, I don't want to say their luck because they've earned everything. But they're, you know, you, everything has to go your way to win one Stanley Cup, let alone back-to-back. So, you know, does the Tampa Bay magic run out, you know, um, this year in the first round or the second round? So, um, like I said, the Florida Panthers, I think, have a phenomenal roster, especially if Ekblad is healthy. But like I said, as a team, 
you know, they, they have a lot to learn in the playoffs, you know, through ups and downs, right? They need to learn how to be ahead in the series. They need to learn how to be down in the series. And um, they need to learn how to both win and lose in the playoffs. And that's something that the Bruins already have done. Uh, I would say the same goes for Carolina. So, um, in fact, the unfavored teams are the teams that have that experience, like Pittsburgh, like Washington, like Boston. So I really think that the Eastern Conference is wide open um, for those intangible reasons. I think, obviously, you'll have your quote-unquote favorites in a series. But um, I think that you, I think you're looking at any team in the East. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams played four rounds this spring. Maybe Washington would be a little bit surprising. Um but yeah, and then out west, like Colorado and Calgary, they they seem to be the the big the big favorites. But you know, Minnesota could go on a run. St. Louis could go on a run. Vegas, while they're not playing their best hockey, like they also don't have their full playoff roster yet. Um, but anyway, so getting getting back to the Bruins, I just think yeah, um, anything can happen. That's why you play it. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't you know try to give yourself the best chance possible with per, with the personnel before we get there. So let's see how it goes. Um, I think I've given all my thoughts on the deadline and beyond. I don't know if you guys wanted to wrap with that, wrap up with anything. I, else. I I only have one other thing that was on my mind today, which was just the Patrice Bergeron infection. The fact that he's been out and didn't he's been out a while at this point and didn't travel to Montreal, Scott. Maybe because you've been you've been around a little bit more yesterday and today. Like, um, is there any, just any new information about that? We got an update on Sunday that yeah, he, he wasn't going to travel, but it was kind of like a it was it didn't have a lot of information he he skated at warrior on his own on monday so that's encouraging um sweeney said he's making progress and could return thursday i know that there was a pretty sizable contingent of bruins fans on twitter that were kind of freaking out because i guess they officially put him on injured reserve on sunday but i think there's a lot of people confusing that with long-term injured reserve which is not what he was put on um, all injured reserve mean is he's out seven days. And at that point, Bergeron had already missed five. So that doesn't change anything. Um, but it sounds like he's very much a possibility to return Thursday. It's not anything long-term. It doesn't, there hasn't been any setback or anything. So, um, I, you know, I don't think it's think, a major concern. I think the panic also comes from the fact that it's an infection which is like not re- like if you have an infection that lasts a certain amount of time, like you know you're dealing with something serious. So that's yeah. probably where where people start to to worry as well. Just because that's not usually what takes someone out of the lineup. So an infection can be serious. So just the lack of information about what kind of infection and different things like that probably is why people are panicking. And that, that was just a thought in my mind today because someone had come up to me and asked me, like, what's happening with Bergeron? What kind of infection? I was like, I, they haven't said so. Yeah, my guess. So my guess anyways would have been some sort of cut maybe from a skate. And the way when Cassidy was like first describing his injury, he kind of made like a motion like along his forearm that kind of led me to believe that that is probably what it is and you know probably just didn't quite heal right uh wearing hockey equipment and all this sweat and you know look nhl players get their equipment cleaned a lot more than uh you know any of us uh playing pickup games or whatever but still not you know the best thing for for a cut so um, you know, probably just didn't heal quite right. And they had to, you know, probably keep it wrapped and just make sure they took care of it and didn't get him out there, you know, active with stuff rubbing up against it is probably my guess. Uh, I, I got one final question before we got one word answer w- would suffice. So we don't have to keep Scott too long. Um, does, I want to start off by saying yes. Does Fabian Lysel play a game for the Boston Bruins this season? Bridget, go. I'm I'm stalling. Uh, I, <laughs> I like percent wise, or you just wanted a yes. Um, yes or no. I say yes just because I think there's like a sixty percent chance, and that's slightly higher than the no. So I guess yes. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go yes as well. I Let's think go. the the fact that Sweeney left that door open and made it sound like, yeah, he, you know, he could be ready. Yeah. I think he, because I, to, to the point, like, I don't think they're going to pull him out of Vancouver early, but I think Vancouver's going to pull themselves out early. Cause they're just not, 
they're not one of the best teams in the WHL. So I would, you know, I could see like a first round exit. Um, and then he comes and at that point, maybe it's, you know, one of the final regular season games or even you get into a playoff series and you need a spark and Hey, here you go, kid. So mm. I'll, I'll say yes as well. I just I was very surprised at how transparent and optimistic and open-minded Sweeney seemed when he was asked about it. That blew me away. I, I couldn't believe my ears. I was like, I can't believe he's even entertaining this. Like, the typical Don Sweeney answer would have been something like, you know, uh, well, Fabian's developing well in Vancouver, and, you know, maybe we'll see what happens. But, like, he was, like, all about it, it seemed like, for, for Don Sweeney's standards. So, who knows? Maybe Lysel will be the first, the first um, player ever. Uh, did not fact check this to to win to to, to win the um the con Smythe before the Calder. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Actually, that, that may did, have happened before. Honestly, I don't even. Know. Did Cam Ward do that? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah, because he came in. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he did. It probably has happened. That's why I said it's not fact checked. But I want to see the kid up. I'm just. I'm. I'm yeah, I think one. we should. I think we should get a. Uh, a Fabian Lysel expert on the podcast in the coming weeks. You're looking at him. You're looking oh, at him. sorry. That's right. Google him. You'll find <laughs> Brian's tweet. Hey, I'm just saying. I, 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 I see magic. I see. I see that. I see that Connor McDavid, Pavel Berg blend of skating that uh, his Giants GM talks about. So, I, um, I don't think Cam Ward won the call there. So I don't. Not him. I don't know if anyone has though. We'll leave listeners on a cliffhanger. I'm not going to yeah. hang around. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think we're all set. So um, thank you for listening. And we'll let Scott get back to uh, the beautiful town of Barica to cover the Bruins game from his couch. And uh, Bridget, you and your pets can have a, a nice night. Yep. Stanley was here the whole time. Uh, of nice, course. Nice and quiet. Cat named after the Stanley Cup. Nice. Yeah, she's quiet. Yeah. I don't even think she knows how to meow. Well, there was no swimming talk, so. Or that's that's Melvin actually. That's Melvin. All right. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.